Sometimes it's, uh, it takes a lot of, it refines us, doesn't it, to wait on the Lord because our timing isn't always his timing. And in order to trust and fully trust in God, we also need to trust in his timing. And so as you sang that song, I hope that uh, it gave you hope that he will, he will um, follow through with his promises. And his word is always true. And he will never, ever, ever let you down.
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. stand in him complete Jesus died my soul to save my lips shall still repeat Jesus faded all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow he he washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Praise this life from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Raise this life from the dead. Oh, praise the Father, we thank you so much for the cross, Lord. We thank you for sending your son, whom you promised a long time ago, to redeem us, to save us, to set us free from our sins. Lord, we thank you for what that means for our lives, Lord, in heaven, God, and in the future here on earth. We thank you for the hope that Jesus' blood has given us and for the cleansing power it has. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. King David penned these beautiful words. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. No surprises to God. He knows everything that's going to go on in our lives. He, he understands. He knows. No surprises to God. Sometimes surprises to us. In fact, a lot of times surprises to us. But no surprises to God. All my days were ordained. He knows what's going to happen. So I don't know about you, but I had one of those weeks, a long week. I honestly could take the rest of the time telling you the details, and I wouldn't hit them all. One of those weeks where it seemed like everything that was supposed to happen didn't happen. It happened the exact opposite of what I had planned. And having said that, throughout the week I had this sense, just this sense that what was happening while it was the opposite of my plan was totally within the plans of someone else. And so what was supposed to happen this past week is that Brian and I were to head to North Carolina for a conference. And I don't know if you know geography, but Tennessee is on the way to North Carolina. So we we're going to go through Tennessee, stop and see my parents. They're around Johnson City, hadn't seen them for a while, spent a couple days with them, and then head to the conference and come back. Turned out Brian couldn't go along. I'm like, well, fine, I'm still just going to go by myself. I headed on down there. And what I did not realize is that I guess I've not been paying attention. The South has been receiving a bit of snow. Enough snow that the kids have not been in school the last two weeks. They've just not been there. Now, I did at least think ahead of time, went ahead and took the Yukon. Instead of taking a two-wheel, I'm like, I'm going to take the four-wheel drive, get through this, won't have any problems. So driving on down, and I left actually later on Monday afternoon. So I was driving pretty much in the dark and in the very, very cold. I mean, Indiana, the whole way is zero. I get into Kentucky, get over Lexington, it's still zero degrees. It is freezing, and it is dark. And I drove in at, at 2 o'clock Eastern time. And I get into the room, and for some reason they decided they may leave the lights on for you, but they don't leave the heat on for you. 
So I walk into this room. It had to be 47 degrees. I mean, I am just like, and, and you know, normally when Kim's not there, I open windows and all that. This was even cold for me. So got the little heater cranking, trying to get the heat up, get into the bed, feel like I'm laying on an ice cube. I mean, I'm just freezing. Wake up the next day, head off for the rest of my trip. So I get through Kentucky, get on into Tennessee, and you pass through this tunnel, the Cumberland Gap Tunnel. And it's the coolest thing. So you're driving under this mountain, and I come to the other side of this mountain, and I look down, and the car is giving me a message. Pretty smart car. It tells me things. And the message says, your battery is no longer charging. And I went, oh boy. Because I'm right now two hours away from my parents' house, and I'm watching the little battery gauge, and it's not where it's supposed to be. And I'm like, you know, I'm really good at cars. I know where the gas goes, and I know you're supposed to change the oil occasionally. Outside of that, I'm pretty lost. What in the world am I supposed to do? So I'm a pastor. I prayed. And I start to pray, and I'm like, God, fix this thing. I need help. This is a problem. And you know what happened? Bing, it came back on. I'm like, wow, prayer works. Awesome. Awesome. Until it didn't work, because then it went out again. It went out again, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm a northerner in the south. They're going to take advantage of me. This is going to be bad news. I'm, I'm going through all this mental whining, and I'm like, what am I going to do? It's just kind of sad and pitiful. And I'm, I'm driving along, and, and the gauge is getting lower and lower. And so I call Ray Caps, the expert in cars, and I'm like, Ray, how long can you drive on a, on a dying battery before the car stops? And he's kind of telling me, and then... All the gauges went dead. And I said, I think it's going to happen soon. (laughs) I'm kind of perceptive. And so um, I get off the exit. I thought the exit was closed at first. I get off the exit, and I'm just like horrified. If I get stuck on the side of the road, this is going to be bad. I get over. I'm at a gas station. I'm like, yay. I pull in the gas station, but there are hardly any spots because of all the snow. So I'm like, there's a McDonald's. I know McDonald's. So I go ahead and pull in over there, and I'm going around the drive-thru. And as I go around the drive-thru, the car dies. There I am, parked in a McDonald's drive-thru in gray Tennessee, going, what in the world am I going to do? But I was, yeah, really order, you know, I was going to binge, man. I'm telling you what, comfort time. Woo! Um, no, not order, but good answer. Called my dad. I'm 20 minutes away from my parents' house. I've driven hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. And I'm 20 minutes away from my parents' house. And by the way, my dad's pretty good with cars. I did not get that gene. And he comes over, and we charge the battery enough to get over to Advanced Auto. And we pull in that parking lot, and they give us all the tools we need to change the alternator, as well as the advice, which I love. This guy, Josh, he was amazing. Josh, wherever you are, thanks again. So he's watching us from a distance and realizes we're doing things wrong. And he'd come out in an ever-so-gentle way, you need this tool. Here, put it here. Do all this kind of stuff. And he walked us through it. And all of this, I'm just kind of going, are you kidding me, really? I could have gotten stuck in Gary. I could have gotten stuck in the middle of Indianapolis. I could have gotten stuck anywhere along the way. And instead, I'm 20 minutes away from my parents' house. And and just to make it all kind of sweetly ironic, the one thing I hated doing with my dad growing up is working on cars. (laughs) Because I always had to hold a flashlight, and I always did it wrong. You know, I'd, I'd drift Get it over here. So, so I'm like, oh no, here we go. Seven-year-old dentist, time to work on a car. Here we go, all over again. And we had the most amazing experience. I'm like, wow, this is cool when you turn 50. God took all that stuff and put it together. And it was just great to see his fingerprints all over. And I'm telling you what, that's just one thing. Time and time and time again, God just said, I'm here. Don't miss it. I'm here. My fingerprints are all over your life. So this morning, we're going to take communion. And as we do, I want you to think about the fingerprints on your life. Where is God showing up that you have a tendency to just call it coincidence, chance, when instead it is truly the work of God playing out the pages that he's already written in his book? And for some of you, honestly, you're going through a rough time right now, and you're saying, I don't see fingerprints. I don't think he's there. And you know what? That's okay, too. In this moment, just ask him, God, help me. Help me to see. Help me to see your hand in my life. So our servers are going to come in a moment, and the tray will come to you. Bread is in the middle, cups on the side. Take one of each. 
Reflect on the fingerprints of God in your life. And when you're ready, go ahead and take communion. Through communion, God gives us several very clear messages. One, that we can be forgiven for what we've done because he loved us so much that he sent his son for us. And again, so any message that you get through communion, whatever experience you have, that's real, straightforward messages from God. Now, if you, as you walked in, you may have seen uh, Morgan Gearman and I playing a little game on stage. Uh, that game is called the Whisper Challenge. And as we go through this series called Stop, Look, and Listen, um, today we're going to be focusing on listen. And this game, 
one person can't hear anything at all. So there, the, the challenge here is one person has uh, a list of words, and they're trying their best to communicate whatever word is on that card to the person with the headphones on. Now, the person with the headphones on has music blaring so loudly that they won't hear until probably next Tuesday. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's pretty difficult. Now, in the first service, uh, I had a teammate by the name of John Beaker, and we got spanked by, uh, the, by the girls. So we are, we are going to try this again, but I picked a new teammate. Sorry, John. <laughs> I'm leaving you out. Uh, but our first team, we are going to let the girls go first again. Just so we know, so me and my teammate know what's going on. So if Janae Dessenberg and Melissa Thomas would come up to the stage, um, as they go, uh, again, one person will, they'll have one minute each. So uh, as they go, there's a stack of cards in front of them. They'll get to flip up the card and then read it to their partner. So who wants to start with the headphones? <laughs> All right, well, that's pressure. Here, go ahead and take a seat here. I'll run the music. And again, just before you put those on, I don't want it to be like, this isn't shock therapy or anything. So let me get, uh, let me get this. You can all hear that, right? Bob, Bob workout music, all right? So it's nice and loud. It's pumping. And I'm going to put one minute on the clock. So you'll, again, you'll have one minute to guess as many cards as she's saying, and then we'll switch, all right? And again, this service, I am going to keep track of score. I screwed up, but it didn't matter because the girls crushed us. So, whenever you're ready, go ahead. Delicious. Oh, delicious. <laughs> Gatorade. Gatorade. Uh. <laughs> can she pass? You can pass. Gatorade. <laughs> Lima bean. Lima bean. Lab. <laughs> Lima bean. Label. <laughs> Lemon head. <laughs> Lemon head. Ten seconds. <laughs> Blue jeans. Blue jeans. Oh, oh really? Two, one, yes. And that's time. Oh, okay, good. Because right. I wasn't getting that one. So you take them off. <laughs> All right. So they got two. Go ahead, take them off. They got two. And again, how disconcerting is that? <laughs> you got. You have no idea where you are right now, right? <laughs> no. All right. Um, so again, why don't we switch? Janae, you'll take the mic. Unless you put on the headphones, and again, you can, you can pass. So I thought we agreed I wasn't putting these on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I lied. Uh, yeah, so you're getting this, uh, and again, just flip up one at a time, and you can pass if you don't think she's going to get it, or you can pass if you're not going to get it. All right? So, again, one minute on the clock, and go. String cheese. Stinky cheese. <laughs> Butter finger. Butter finger. <laughs> I'm so sick of dancing right now. <laughs> what? Quadricept. <laughs> Quadricept. 30 seconds. <laughs> Friendly. 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 <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, funny. Funny. <laughs> that word was underneath. Yeah. Uh, caboose. Caboose. Harpoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, expensive. 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 Oh, oh. One second on the clock. <laughs> That's it. All right. See, wasn't that bad? You did well. Yeah, give me a round of applause. All right, so they got four, and I'm confident in my teammate, Jason Frankovich. Uh, I think we can pull this off, all right? Uh, so, again, I'm going to refresh the deck of cards here. So, Jason, if you would come, come on up, we'll get this thing going. I'm really looking forward to uh, having my ears blown off again. This is like the fourth time I put on these headphones today, and... Can't hear anything. Um, so again, 
I'll start. So you'll do this. Okay. One minute on the clock. Could I get someone else to keep score? Okay, you got it. You got fingers. Yeah. Okay. I didn't say anything yet. Ready? Snow shovel. Two words. Snow shovel. No, snow. Snow. Yes. Three words. David and Goliath. David and Goliath. David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Delicious. 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 <laughs> Delicious. Pass. Ah, we did that one. Holy Bible. Two words. Two words. Holy Bible. Holy mama. <laughs> no. Holy, holy Bible. Holy Bible? Yeah. <laughs> Southfield. Southfield. Man, cruising. Double bubble. Double bubble. Two words. Double bubble. Double bubble. Double bubble. <laughs> All right, one minute. How many did we get? Oh, we only... Pressure's on. We only need one. All right. So I guess that means pressure's on me, which isn't good. But all right, one minute on the clock. Yeah. And go. Not today. Banana. Ba. Na. Banana. No. Ba. Ba. Ma. Ba. 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 Nah. Nah. Noun. Nah. Noun. Banana. Banana. Yeah. Banana. Yeah. Razor back. Razor back. Phaser shack. Razor back. Razor. Laser. No, Ray. Razor. Ray. One more time. Razor back. Pass. Pumper nickel. Lumber. No. No. Pump her nickel. Pumper. Fumble. No. No. Pumper. Pumper. Pump. 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 Er. Er. Lick. Er. Really? <laughs> Pumper Pumper nickel. nickel. Are you kidding me? Pumper. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh my word! You know what's sad about that is I wrote all these words before the service, and I still can't get them. <laughs> we, I only got one, right? Uh, only one. The one that only I needed. <laughs> wow! So now you know what you can do all afternoon. It's a lot of fun, and at the same time, it's incredibly confusing. Like a lot of the conversations we have. We feel like in conversations, we're only hearing part of it. So before we get to the message, uh, as you walked in, you got a folder, and on the inside's a card. I'd like you to go ahead and take that out. At least put your name on it. If you want to put more information, that's up to you. And uh, actually, if you're new with us, on your way out, if you go ahead and hand that to me at the door, we've got, a, we got something that we want to give you, a gift for saying, just to say thanks for being here today. There are two things associated with that, though, that are important. I had a lot of newer people coming to the church, so we're trying to design an experience to kind of help them get introduced to who we are and what we're all about. And so we're going to be offering an experience we're just going to call 20 Questions, where we're going to have the chance with a group of people to run through 20 of the most common questions that people ask about Southfield. Now, rather than me assuming what those questions are, I thought we'd give you the opportunity to ask them. So on the back side of the card, that box says, 20 Questions Suggestions. And you can go, down, go ahead and write down as many as you want. What are the things you want, wonder about? And we're going to go ahead and pick the, the 20 that come up most commonly, and those are the ones that we'll cover in that experience. One of your questions might be, why did they not put in more parking? And for this service in particular, that kind of gets a little interesting as you're driving in and trying to find a spot. We're doing a couple things to help with that. First of all, we're looking to add more parking. But beyond that, in the meantime, we've got to do something else. So some people are going ahead and volunteering to actually park off-site. 
to make space for other people to be able to go ahead and have a spot. If that's something you would be willing to do, there's a box on the back of your card that talks about parking. You can just check that off. We'll contact you to talk about what you could do. We're also looking for some people, in particular, between these two services, the middle, that, that can kind of go ahead and direct people and show them where parking is available. So if you're willing to be a part of either of those things, check that box off, and we'll make sure that you get contacted this coming week. We're wrapping up this series today, Stop, Look, and Listen. A sign that you tend to see when you're near a railroad or at a train station that warns you, you got to pay attention around a train. You need to come to a complete stop. Don't just roll through and find out if the train is coming. You need to look both ways and see what's coming. And listening really helps. If you hear a whistle, if you hear noises, you stop dead in your tracks. You don't stop in the middle of the tracks. You don't go rolling on through and find out you've got a disaster on your hands. The same rule applies in our relationships. Relationships are essential to spiritual growth. We grow when we're with each other. We help each other grow to be more like Jesus. Relationships help us to grow, and communication helps our relationships to grow. So we've been looking at different ways that we can enhance our relationships. Stopping, for example. Just stop. Be fully present in the moment. Pay attention to what's going on right now. Realize that life is brief. Life is short, and so I want to make sure that I take advantage of every moment that I have right here, right now, looking, looking at the way we communicate, taking the time to look at the conversations we're having, taking the time to look people in the eyes when we speak, to look at body language, to pay attention to the whole conversation, and not just bits and pieces of it. And then finally today, we're looking at the importance of of listening. Every one of us, if we're going to grow in our relationships, we need to listen. We need to learn to listen really well. Some of us are great talkers, but we're not necessarily great at using our ears. All of this has been centered on a verse that we find in the book of James, where the writer says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, there's an old adage, God has given us two ears and one mouth. And so we ought to listen twice as much as we speak. But most of us don't follow that advice. We just go roaring ahead and we speak rather than taking the time to really hear what's being said. But you understand that listening moves far beyond our ears. We listen with much more than just the ears that God has placed on either side of our heads. We can actually listen with our eyes. We can take the time to look someone else in the eyes and we can read their emotions. We can see their body language and see where their inconsistencies between what's coming out of their mouth and what they're actually feeling in that moment. So we can use our eyes to hear. We can also use our hearts to hear. We can hear the emotion of another person. You know, you may take just the words and they don't mean much, but when you hear the emotion being poured out behind the words, we get a totally different message from the other person. God wants us to learn to listen to each other well. But far too often, we're anxious to speak. We're anxious to talk rather than really hearing what's going on. I want to show you a video. I've been holding on to this one for a while. This thing, I'm telling you what, this is worth like five marriage counseling sessions right here, okay? In a minute and a half, you're going to get all kinds of great advice. On top of that, relationally, some of you are going to watch this and you're going to go, I live that life. You've been there or you are there right now. See what this, how this relates to listening. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop over... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. 
it's just sometimes it's like there's this achy I don't know what it is and I'm not sleeping very well at all and all my sweaters are snagged I mean all of them That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't! Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? Oh, my word. You live that life? You find yourself more than once being told, hey, it's not about the nail. Would you stop trying to fix me? I just feel like saying amen. Let's close in prayer. It pretty much said everything we need to hear today. Listening, not just with our ears, but listening with our heart. Listening, not just for the words, but hearing the emotion of the other person. Hearing what their heart is saying, empathizing with them. Actually relating to the emotion instead of just cutting ever so quickly to the fix. A lot of us just feel like someone else's project. I'm not your project. You're not my project. We're not out to just fix each other. We actually need to hear each other speaking. And so the question, I guess, would be, why is it that we're so quick to want to fix instead of listen? Why is it that we just want to jump in and offer a solution rather than really hearing what's going on in the emotion of the conversation, not just the words? Well, the first reason, of course, is we want to help. I mean, you don't want to just, she has a nail hanging out of her head. I can do something about this. It may be that you've lived what that person is going through and you're thinking, I could help you out. I've been there. I've done this. I know how this works. And so we sincerely want to help the other person. Sometimes the answer is just incredibly obvious. It's a nail. I can see it. It's a nail. But we're getting so quick to the fix that we're missing that there's something greater going on than just what seems obvious to us. The truth is, sometimes we just hate to see the other person in pain. It's hard to see them hurt. And when we see someone else hurt, our tendency is to run for the band-aids. We run and we just try to fix. And honestly, sometimes we get ourselves in the biggest trouble because we're watching the other person's pain and we're trying to find a way to stop the pain really fast. I've mentioned before, I had a friend die when I was 14 years old. And I had people at that point in my life, in their way of extending compassion, that would say, well, we don't know what he would have been like when he got older. Maybe it would have been a murderer. Maybe something. And you're just like, really? This is, this is your idea of a fix. Really? They were trying to help. They were trying to ease my pain. And in the process, it was a pretty bad band-aid. Fixing feels good for some of us. Some of us just love. We're fixers by nature. And so when someone has a problem, boom, we're there with 25 answers. Forget the emotion. The emotion is clouding everything. Let's just get to the nail. Let's get this thing fixed. It feels good. And the fact is, we're hearing, but we're not listening. We're not really listening to the whole conversation. We see the nail, but we're not seeing what's really going on in that person's heart. There's one other reason I want to offer to you. And I think for most of us, this is what it's really all about, whether we realize it or not. We don't value living in tension. We don't like it when things are unresolved. We want to fix it. It may not even be that we want to help the other person as much as the fact that we just don't like the unresolved tension in the moment. Part of what is beautiful about Jesus is that he had no problem living with unresolved tension. In fact, he realized unresolved tension actually has a great role in the life of another person. And he was unwilling to just run in and give a quick fix when the tension might actually lead to something better. You remember the story in John chapter 11. He has a friend who's sick. His name is Lazarus. And not only is he friends with Lazarus, he's friends with the sisters as well, Mary and Martha. In fact, the Bible tells us that this is the Mary who poured out expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus and wiped it with her hair and her tears. This is a woman who had gone to great lengths to show Jesus her love. Time and time again, he had eaten in their home. There was a close connection with these three people. They referred to Lazarus as, your dear friend is very sick. 
There's a connection. Now, when there's a connection with somebody and when there's something going wrong in their life, we want to jump in and help. We want to be there. We want to offer answers if we feel like we've got the answer. The passage goes on to say that although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, leave no question, the the love was mutual. Though he loved them, he stayed there for two more days. He didn't go and fix the problem. He didn't go and simply heal him of whatever ailed him. A little later in the passage, Jesus offers that Lazarus has fallen asleep. The, the disciples don't yet catch that Jesus is speaking euphemistically. And so he has to say it outright. He says it plainly. Lazarus is dead. He's dead. And now it's time to go to Bethany and face the consequences of not having gotten there before he died. It says when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Or in other words, what's the writer saying? Lazarus is very dead. Make no mistake. It's not that he might have just taken a nap. It's not that he might just be in a coma. He is gone. He's gone to the point that later in the passage it says, by now his body is probably decomposing. By now we can probably smell him. So he is quite dead. The passage tells us that when Martha got the word that that Jesus was coming, she ran out to meet him and she says this to him, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever had a statement like that handed to you? If you'd have been here, it wouldn't have happened. If you'd have jumped in, none of this would have happened. I needed you and you weren't here. As if that's not enough, when he gets to the town and he talks to Mary, it's almost as if they're reading from a script because Mary says the exact same thing. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Twice he hears these stinging words. Twice he knows that these people believe that he let them down. We read as we go along that when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing, deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Now that's confusing. Why did he get mad that people were crying? I don't think he was mad at Mary and Martha for crying. I don't think he was mad at the crowd for crying. I think there was this real sense in which Jesus was looking at the situation and saying, my father never wanted this to happen. My father never wanted human beings to attend a funeral. My father never wanted human beings to die of cancer. My father never wanted human beings to go through pain and suffering. But we made a choice to sin against God. And because of that, those consequences of that sin have borne down on us. Jesus knew the way it was supposed to be. And it caused within him an anger to say, it's not supposed to be this way. Yesterday I was talking to a man. It's outside his garage door, and he's telling me the story of his daughter who died when she was 18 months old. And we're standing there talking, and, you know, I know what I'm about to preach, right? And I'm not going to just offer a bunch of fixes. I wanted to really make sure that I was there just matching him at an emotional level. And he's standing, and he, he literally looks up to the sky, and with his fists, he goes, I don't understand why God lets little kids die. That's what you're feeling right here. I don't get it. Why does this have to happen? And Jesus knew it wasn't supposed to be that way. To the point that we read that verse, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He cried. He cried in that moment. He cried for what has happened to humanity. You know, those tears, those tears preached more than a message. Those tears preached more than a sermon. They said something to those people. In fact, the people interpreted the tears. They said, see how much he loved him. They saw the emotion, the expression of emotion, and they said, here is a man who truly loves his friends. It doesn't end there, of course. Jesus responds to them, didn't I tell you that you would see the Father's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. 
You always hear me, but I'm saying it out loud. I'm praying these words out loud so the people around me can hear it. I'm saying it for their sakes so that they will believe that you sent me. There are those words, so that. Remember when Ben Mott preached that sermon to us at CJHS just before we moved? So that. God has purposes behind what he does. There was a reason why Lazarus died, so that the people would actually believe in Jesus. And then he says it, Lazarus, come out. Come out of the grave. And we know that the Bible tells us that Lazarus came out, grave clothes and all, and Jesus said, go ahead, unwrap him, and let him be free. And you read this story, and it's amazing. We skipped over a verse early on that we need to see. And it's part of the so that. Jesus, when he finds out Lazarus is sick, says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So the Son of God will receive glory for this. You know what Jesus was saying? The tension is here for a reason. The tension is here for a reason. And the tension is going to do something that's incredible and amazing if we're just willing to sit in it for a while instead of fixing it. You see, Jesus could have gone to Bethany. He could have touched Lazarus. He could have made him better. And all the crowd would have gone, that's an incredible miracle. But they would have missed out on a resurrection. They would have missed out on seeing a man come back to life. You see, sometimes we apply our fixes, and our fixes are great. But is it possible that our friend, is it possible that we are missing out on a resurrection? Because we settled for a healing. Because we settled for a fix instead of really seeing what God had in mind. Really seeing what God desired. When we are too quick to relieve the tension, when we're too quick to just give a fix instead of listening, we risk short-circuiting the good work God is trying to do in the life of the person we are trying to help, in the life of the person we're trying to fix. We're so quick to offer a fix that we miss that God is actually wanting to do something greater. We mean well. We're just missing the point of the tension. Tension is the territory of growth. We grow when tension is around us. Short-circuiting it or bypassing the tension stunts growth, and it even avoids it altogether. We mean well, but we may actually be robbing the other person of a great growth opportunity because we're offering our quick fix instead of sitting with them in the pain for a while. In the process of offering healing, we're missing out on a resurrection. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to see more resurrections. I'd like to see God's agenda take place in the life of the person instead of the agenda I've designed for them, instead of the quick fix that I want to offer to them. We need to ask this question. What's the so what behind this tension? You see, what we're listening to now is not just the other person's words, not just the other person's emotions, but we're listening to God himself and we're asking, what's your agenda in this situation? What are you trying to teach my friend? What are you trying to teach my spouse? What are you trying to teach my kid? And I don't want to get in the way of that. I want to make sure that God has the freedom to do what God wants to do. Pastors, by trade, are fixers, right? That's our job. We're supposed to fix things. We're supposed to show up. People call me not because they're looking for a little emotional sharing. They want an answer. They, they see this library and think, somewhere in those books, there's got to be an answer. And i got to admit to you, pastors like to fix things. It's nice to show up and offer a fix, and everybody smiles, and everything's okay once again. A few years back, I was reading a book by Eugene Peterson. It's entitled The Contemplative Pastor. And in it, he said these words. They were so convicting. He said, who are these particular people, the congregation you're working with? Who are these particular people? And how can I be with them in such a way that they can become what God is making them? Not my agenda. What's God trying to work in this person's life? He says, my job is simply to be there, teaching, preaching scripture as well as I can, and being honest with them. Not doing anything to interfere with what the Spirit is shaping in them. That line right there, I sat there for about 10 minutes. I am not exaggerating. I sat there. 
not doing anything to interfere with what the Spirit is shaping in them. Sometimes in the process of offering our fix, we're actually subverting what the Spirit of God is trying to do in the other person's life. He says, could God be doing something that I never even thought of? And given the fact that it's God, the answer to that is yes. Of course he is. Of course he is. Am I willing to be quiet for a day, a week, a year? Am I willing to just be quiet and sit with them in the emotion of the moment rather than offering a fix, relieving the tension, putting a Band-Aid on it and saying, whew, that's fixed. Another problem solved. Let's zero in on those words and instead of applying them to pastors, apply it to all of us. Could God be doing something that I never even thought of? Am I willing to be quiet for a day, a week, a year? I don't know about you, but for me right now, the toughest area to apply this is with my kids. I've been a kid, whether they believe it or not. I've lived that life. I know how to get from A to B. And I've gone to a, from A to B by way of X, Y, and Z. And I realize that you don't have to get there in order to go to B. And so you just want to say to your kids, here's the short route, do this. But you know what? God may want to take them through the whole alphabet so that they learn his agenda in their life instead of my agenda in their life. Could it be God is doing something that I never thought of? Am I willing to be quiet, sit with them in the pain, sit with them in the sadness, sit with them in the emotion rather than offering my quick fix for a day, a week, a year? The fact is, God is calling all of us to just listen. Hear the words. Hear the words the person is saying. Listen. Hear the emotion. Hear the heart behind the words. Listen. Hear what God is saying. What's God's agenda for them? Not just my own. What is God trying to do in them? Not just me. Stop. Look and listen. If we'll heed the warning, our relationships are really going to thrive. And if we don't, we're probably going to get crushed by the train. So follow the sign. Listen, really listen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we offer you our hearts and our lives right now. Lord, you know we are so quick to speak and so, close, so slow to hear. You know we are so quick to fix and so slow to allow a person to sit in the stew of it for a bit in order that they learn the lessons that you're trying to teach them instead of us entering in and playing God in their life. Give us the wisdom to know when we are to help with a fix and when we are to sit back and allow your agenda to play out. Sometimes you have us there to be part of the answer, and sometimes you have us there just to be a partner in the journey that helps that person to realize your great desire for them. Give us that kind of wisdom to know what to do, when to do it. Help us to sit back and listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Our servers are going to come in just a moment, and they're going to receive the morning offering. As they do, I just want to remind you, you know, when it comes to giving, uh, God doesn't ask us to give because he's got bills to pay or something because he can't accomplish it on his own. When I think of giving, it's a lot like raising kids. When you ask your kids to share, and they're not really wanting to share, and you're trying to encourage them to share, you see what God's growing us is in us is generosity. He's trying to help us to release our grip on our stuff, what we view to be our stuff, on our things, and to grow generous hearts in us. So I just want to encourage you to continue to be incredibly generous people and to grow in that kind of generosity. Servers are coming, and while they do, Brian's got a couple things to share with us. So I'm fully convinced now uh, that I was allowed to run the game today because I have to give you some terrible news, and that is that next Sunday is the worst day of the year. It is the day where we lose an hour of sleep uh, because of daylight savings. So I'm sorry. Please don't throw anything at me yet. Uh, but yeah, so next week you'll want to set your clocks forward an hour. Because uh, if you don't, you'll show up an hour early and be in the middle of first service, which I guess isn't a bad thing. I mean, extra church brownie points for you. But uh, we want to make sure that you get all the sleep you can. So if you actually, well, what we do at the Pap House is on Saturday during the day, we actually set our clocks forward an hour to try and you know get adjusted to it and work it that way. So if you want to join in on that, go ahead. All right. Uh, so we've got 
this last week was really awesome with our youth group. We had at Revive and Refuge, we celebrated red, white, and bacon. Now, this was an awesome event. We literally, between both groups, ate more than 40 pounds of bacon. Yeah, it was a long week. Our house still stinks. Uh, the, the kitchen over there at, on the other side of the wall here, uh, it still smells like bacon. So yeah, I mean, it's, it was an awesome time where we got to play a lot of really fun games, eat a ton of bacon and have a really good time. So without, uh, keep keeping this dragging on, find one of our high schoolers or junior hires today and ask them how it went. Because again, their perspective is just wildly awesome on this thing. So, um, we're getting back to normal, uh, tonight and on Wednesday. Uh, but before I let you go, I want to remind if you're new or newer, on your way out today, uh, stop by and ask Dennis for that gift uh, that we want to give to you. Uh, and as we, as we dismiss you, I'm going to volunteer two more people to come back and play the Whisper Challenge so we can watch this happen some more. Some more. And I'm going to give it to a guy who is used to being on stage and used to wearing a headset. So Jason, would you come up? And, uh, and Jack, you know you're coming up too. <laughs> Because I think this is going to be wildly hilarious. So <laughs> He's sleep deprived. So good. I mean, that's, that'll make it all much more fun. So again, if you, if you need to go, go ahead. But if you want to stick around, this is about to get awesome. <laughs> all right. Who wants to start with the I'll listen to music. You listen to music? <laughs> I'm going to work oh, yeah, with <laughs> Everyone does. So. It's your Fish fry. French fries. Fish fry. Fish. Fish. Fry. Fry. Fish fry. Double bubble. Double. Boot camp. Boot camp. Boot camp. Pass. Boot camp. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lemon head. Blue jeans. Blue jeans. Blue jeans. Blue jeans. Sesame Street. Sesame Street. <laughs> oh, pass. Oh, my gosh. Xylophone. Cheddar cheese. No. Towel. 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 Towel? Yes. Howard, good. <laughs> Cashmere Pulaski. Two words. Cashmere Pulaski. Cashmere Pulaski. Jelly Donut. Jelly. Jelly. E L Gel. Last one. Here we go. This is perfect. Insanity. Yeah. 